0: Welcome to The Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. and Today, I'm in conversation with an enthusiastic activist and creative with Appalachian Roots, who is a published poet, writer and photographer. Please welcome Chloe Williams. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Yes, words, uh, letters. But I, I, I stumble over words and letters sometimes.
1: <laughs> Everyone does it.
0: this is true this is true i I usually when i have writers on i ask them what is the most challenging word for you to say and what's the word that you Um, hate writing
1: (laughs) um i'm gonna say it wrong ethereal it's such a great word and like evokes so much but like it's like one of those words where you read it in books and then you never like actually learn how to say it Mm so yeah that's that's one of those i just try bit. try not say it i just write it
0: um effervescent was one of those for me oh. uh yeah it's a lot of f's
1: <laughs> <laughs> i could not guess how to spell
0: that it's just like just say bubbly just
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. same thing <laughs>
0: So I, I want to start off with, uh, and I was very impromptu, by the way, I want to start off with kind of this uh, kind of introductory, tell us about your background and maybe your first experience with um, within the arts, because, you know, poetry, writing, photography are all different disciplines within that larger umbrella, because it's writing, of the arts.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I always say that I'm a writer and in addition, everything else, uh, because I've just, it's just something that's always come so naturally to me. Um, When I was a kid in like grade school, the teacher would like assign a prompt and be like, this is how many pages. And then I'd always write like 10 or 15 more pages and like make a whole story about it I was like a really fast writer too so I was able to like crank out these crazy stories and then it got to the point where my teachers would like leave 10 minutes at the end of class for me to just like read my story to everyone like I guess people liked it (laughs) but I've just always like had a knack for that sort of thing and I I love coming up with like crazy fantasy stories. That's really my thing is I love like fantasy genre. It just so well expresses the human experience in like different and creative ways. But um, by the time I got to high school um, and was graduating, I realized I had all of these poems on my phone that I just never was doing anything with because they were so personal that it almost didn't feel like I wanted to share them. And I was just like, not at a point where I wanted to, to share that with the world, which later I was able to like, kind of come out of that and, and be able to share that. But, um, also, in middle school, I started picking up a camcorder and I would invite all my friends over for these like big music video shoots for all these great emo songs you used to listen to. You <laughs> would like plan it out for weeks and like storyboard it and make props and everything. And then myself and my best friend would coordinate this like really fun music video shoot. And we were called Classy Giraffe Productions. And we made these like for our birthday parties and in the summer. And I just got really interested in that. And once I went to Towson University to pursue film and also English, I just like immediately wanted to figure out how can I get on set and how can I make movies? So I joined a media production society and was immediately like able to get on all of these kind of like amateur sets and eventually um, write and direct two of my own shorts. And then I have had my name on quite a few indie shorts as a production designer, which I really loved, uh, making like all the props and all the costumes and coordinating you know, every physical thing mm-hmm. you would need. And I actually was on a pretty fun, um, set for a friend where it was a long take so on top of that I had to be a choreographer for uh, my team and I had to build this six foot tall cake out of cardboard it's just fun I feel like the production (laughs) designer just um juxtaposes and puts (laughs) together all my interests but um yeah I I love cross stitching and painting and baking and photography and i played the saxophone for many years as a kid in a jazz band i feel like those things though like i feel like there's your art work and then there's your art play and i feel like the poetry and the film those are the things that i put a lot of like the work into and the other things are just to kind of help like cultivate and and stimulate like the imagination so that I can do all that stuff but also I'm like very interested in activism and I feel like that's almost like a creative endeavor in itself because you constantly have to come up with with new ways to help the community Um, just last year I helped um, put on a um, menstrual product drive for the Baltimore Student Support Network at, sure. at Towson, and that was really great. So yeah, all of the things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and I and I, I noticed a little um, subtle references, and, and maybe maybe you didn't read it, or maybe you have, but subtle references to Austin Kleon stuff, what have you. Uh, still like an artist, and this this notion of. Um, he's a he's like yeah I'm a writer that draws is like I, yeah. I go with writer first and um and also this this notion of separating yeah like like work and play and kind of if you're an artist it's like this artistic work and this kind of artistic play and you know I've been trying to figure out ways to apply some of that stuff and kind of breaking out what I do here because sometimes it's you know, you're struggling as, is this art? Is this not art? And I was like, mm-hmm. I, I know what it is, but, you know, at the same time, you, I I want to do other things with it that makes this like fun for a different reason and make this enjoyable for a different reason. So, and I think it, it's attached to, in a sense, one of the things that you mentioned being interested in activism and working in activism and, and doing, you know, creative ways to do activism. So like, mm-hmm. I'm an activist for Baltimore. That that is kind of the lane that I am, and and, an advocate for the artists here. And you know, if I can take my little lane (laughs) and and try to connect people through like community, like focus, like things, like doing movie screenings, and it's just an excuse to bring people together. Maybe something good is attached to that. Of hey, this is going to be for this fun or mutual aid or something like that. Maybe that's an avenue for it. But really, at the root of it is let's bring people together. We have a lot of creatives together um, we have a lot of creatives here. And I think at times they're not together because things are decentralized and sometimes resources aren't there and people just have, and we'll choose, let me do another shift at work versus doing this fun thing because resources aren't really there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an artistic endeavor to learn how to be the best conduit for people to, tell their stories. I am um, learning a lot about grant writing right now. And it's how do I like creatively tell someone else's story and like try to remove myself as much as possible, but still use that skill to help someone else. I, that's really valuable.
0: So, and I, I have a question in Rapid fire that relates to West Virginia because I read that in your background. yeah, so uh, y- y- if if you've listened to enough of these these podcasts, I have an idea where that question's gonna go. So just keep it in your back pocket. Um, but I want to ask you this first one. I moved it up um, a little bit. So, you know, one of the things I read that you're really into, you like, you know, Appalachian culture or what have you. So what are what are some of the things there? Because I'm unfamiliar. I hear it. I feel like it's popping up in pop culture. I feel like there's hills no. and mountains.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a, There's a big resurgence of Appalachian culture happening right now. It's it's such a special place because it's. It's basically a mountain range that goes from New York to Mississippi, and West Virginia is the only state that's fully engulfed in Appalachia. Oh. And the Appalachia uh, Mountains and the Blue Ridge Mountains, where, where I'm from, is the second bar, um, oldest um, mountain range in, in the world, which it's just like, there's so much like magic in yeah. that Space, and I think there's like twofold of kind of how I relate to Appalachia and and understand it as like a very special place, which is first of all it has this very like mystic culture, mm-hmm. and there is a lot in there about like granny magic, um, older women using the land to heal and um, break curses. That sort of thing. Um, But also lots of arts and music have come out of there and maybe not the traditional types of arts and music you might think like blacksmithing and basket weaving and quilting and pottery, those sort of things that a lot of people now in West Virginia value as like trades, but really they're very artistic at the root. Um, but then there's also legends and folklore. Like we love our cryptids, the Flatwoods monster and, and Mothman. Um, and I think people are just very connected to that land because it's so rich and it provides so much. Um, and it's, the other piece of it is, um, it's, it's an overlooked area with, um, a history of a lot of poverty so it's interesting to see how people have persevered there and like the necessity to rely on granny magic because you don't have access to like actual medicine Um, you need to come up with new and creative ways to to rely on the wilderness and I would also be remiss to not acknowledge um, like the indigenous people that lived in those lands. Um, The Cherokee, Iroquois, Powhatan, and Shawnee people definitely contributed to really nurturing that space and and making it what it is now. And I I think it's, even today people will say like, aren't you glad you got out of there? Like I know a lot of people really look over West Virginia because of It's, you know, the associations with, like, people really into um, bad politics and and racism and the Confederacy, like, that all really exists, and it is tied in there for sure, absolutely. But there's this really beautiful resurgence happening right now, especially in the younger generation of how can we take the goodness of this space and use it to be inclusive and reinvigorate the arts and the trades and foster justice in this space. And I think that's just, it's really, really beautiful. And it's, it's it's such a special place and it has informed a lot of what I, am and what I create.
0: Thank you. Thank you for for sharing that with us. Because, um, you know, I, I think I've been there like once, like, I, I don't know which part I was super young. And I, I think we got lost going somewhere. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. That's what we got to <laughs> yeah. turn back around. Or I, I know that my parents went there to maybe it was a casino or something. Oh yeah, and,
1: they have a pretty popular casino. They're you know,
0: like we're going to do this. I was like, oh, so, so just gambling, just leaving me and my brother here. I was like, oh, we would like to go. Nah, this is for parents. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That, so, that, so that's West Virginia. This is for parents. That's <laughs> um, so, and I think this is really kind of decent segue here from you know talking about your Appalachian roots, West Virginia roots. To um, is there one that comes to mind, a life experience that you feel kind of helped shape your creative sensibility, and I, and I know you know that a moment ago you touched on West Virginia, so maybe it's something there, maybe it's something elsewhere. But what you know, you have you noticed like you know any specific like story or anything that it's an experience that kind of helped shape your creative sensibility?
1: Yeah, um, I think you know, one of the biggest influences on me growing up was the Lemony Snicket series of Unfortunate Events books, because I, I just fell in love with those. And I, those are the reason that I wanted to be an author. Because it just, as a kid reading them, like, he did not talk down to me. And he said it like it was, and just really engaged with the audience in a very special way that has really stuck with me. Um, I also feel like I've always been very interested in the concept of home as someone who my family is very very close-knit and close-knit and very very tied to the West Virginia roots so it was a bit odd for me to go to Towson um, and remain in Baltimore Mm -hmm. Um, I think is is a little bit odd or or different so it's been interesting for me to be like, okay, well, where is my home? And like, where do I belong? Because I also lived in Leeds, England for a time. And it was kind of like an interesting moment, because I had one year in Baltimore, and then I went to this other place. And I just kept displacing myself further and further from everyone that I knew. So I think just thinking about how can I reframe the idea of home to kind Mm -hmm. of, include experience and not physical place and I think another really pivotal moment for me as an artist was um when I got three of my poems published in a physical book and that book came in the mail and I opened the package and I just started like tearing up and it wasn't necessarily because like oh I did it my work is in a book it was like my poems are out in the world now and i finally got over keeping them to myself and and letting myself share this very personal piece of work with the rest of the world and for me that was kind of like opening the floodgates and now i i feel like a lot of what i do and put out there is more authentic and when not trying to like shield pieces of myself
0: thank you thank you for sharing that um that's it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I've, I've dabbled, um, and in writing and, um, writing, writing poetry or what have you. I remember in high school, I was, I looked like a football player, but then it's like, I just, I'd rather write, you know, that was kind of my energy and writing short stories and poetry and so on. And it was kind of one of those things where I, it was definitely a personal thing. I had the wild composition book, and I remember one of I left it in class by mistake, and my biology teacher read it.
1: Oh no! I was like,
0: oh no! And, <laughs> and then she—it's not even—you um, know how you you get a grade on something. It's like, yeah. Don't worry, everything will be great. I was like, no, I'm just an angsty like 17 year old. <laughs> and when I got older, and I was still kind of like writing different things, just it is it, an outlet for feelings that I just wasn't capable of processing at the time, which from, uh, <laughs> a male, a man in his thirties saying that is so funny, <laughs> but, um, tra- trying to, trying to do that and, and sort through that, I, I, I wanted to share, I felt more inclined to share it. And, uh, but only to very selective people that was like, I think you get me, I think you're going to get yeah. this and we, we have, you know, friendship and rapport and all of that. And, you know, I would send it over. He's like, is everything good, bro? You know, one of my friends. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I just needed to get that from here to something else to transfer it. And, you know, I, I felt like, all right, I'm doing something that's creative and something that feels responsible and not letting the, these feelings or so on kind of get in the way of me kind of keeping on, but while giving them their space and give them their due.
1: Yeah. I feel like writing, especially, is just a very uniquely revealing Mm. art form because like with a, with a painting or even a film or a, a piece of quilting or yarn work, like you can, you can put, you can transform that emotion or convey it through colors or or images something that isn't like this is exactly how i'm feeling and i i mean in poetry like you can use metaphor and you and you can use different kinds of of techniques to to transform your words but at the end of the day it's it's words on a paper and yeah. that's it like they're they're are of course like other crazier ways to do poetry but but words on a page like you can't get around that and if you if you show someone that it's just like bearing your soul yeah i
0: i want to you know you ask people about who are your influences who are some of your your favorites and that might be a passive way of asking you but um I, I, I want to look at really, really, really old poetry to have anachronistics like terminology <laughs> and phrasing and just write it in something contemporary. It's like my, my heart quivers for the blah 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 blah, <laughs> blah blah and just see if someone's like, you were reading Wadsworth or something. Yeah. <laughs> so so for you, what what were you like, what do you read currently and like what are some of your influences that are kind of baked in your writing?
1: I feel like I've always carried um, Lemony Snicket with me in everything that I've written. I um, because I just love the sarcasm and the bluntness and the just like, reader, you get me, we're on the same page um, of it all. So that's definitely always a big influence for me. One of my favorite poets is Joy Harjo. Um, she writes so vividly and exquisitely, it's like, you can see the words. And she um, writes amazing, amazing work. She's, this, I also love like, she's an indigenous um, poet. So she just like, makes so much of the culture into her writing. It's it's very vivid. Um, recently, I got more into Ross Gay, mm-hmm. And I, he's just a storyteller. And the things that he writes poems about are not things that I write poems about or can write poems about. I feel like mine are always like in some way a little bit depressing and he (laughs) is able to like do the complete opposite and just like bottle joy and like distill it. And the, the animation in his voice when he recites a work is, is just like tangible and, it makes you just want to like close your eyes and and like listen to the words it's like very melodic in that way so even though i i won't say i can't but i um have not yet written a very like happy or joyous poem um i feel like just he is such a such an inspiration in terms of the craft and just when you listen to it you just feel a little bit heart warmed yeah. it was
0: very homey. i um i got into this space recently of asking you know, i was doing research persona research on like the podcast how it's viewed and so on and since i've been on like every episode on the the constant you know i was like so what do i come off as and so on and and i just remember um just the common thread was curious, curious, questions, curious. And <laughs> and I, that's the thing that I try to maintain. And that comes from that that kind of feedback. And I think, you know, even with other people who are podcast or who are, who are podcasters or who are aspiring to kind of get into this storytelling sort of lane, they're just like, wow, I'm surprised you can maintain a conversation for 30, 40 minutes with someone that you don't know. How do you do that? And things of that nature. So when you're able to look up and and that makes me feel proud, by the way. And we were able to look at like another writer, or another poet, and it's like, yeah, this is the feeling I get from your work. This is this is what I'm bringing in, and that 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 has to, I would imagine as the 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 writer they have to feel like, wow, that's how people are viewing my work. Um, and you know, when we talk about like influence, I always try to do that shift of I have people that influence what I do, and then I'm in a spot where I could be influencing people do you ever think of that like as you kind of go further into your pursuit your career because then because you're you're taking you're pursuing a master's and in, in mm-hmm. writing right so yeah. yeah
1: it's it's a new kind of uh concept to me because i feel like you know when i back when i found all those poems it's like this is very insular to me yeah. this is just what i'm feeling you know, there's always outside um, influences, but it's it just felt like it's just for me. So when you start putting your work out there, it's like I, I want to hear those new um, things that you got out of the poem that I didn't necessarily know I was planting there or or didn't plant there for me. Um, it is a little bit scary because you know, <laughs> again, like you are getting a peek into my life a stranger um but I feel like you know the best pieces of work and what makes it really art rather than say like decoration is the authenticity and like the soul and the emotion and you know if you go to an art gallery and you're looking at a painting with someone and someone says you know I don't get it but you can (laughs) tell there's something there to be got. It, it may not connect with you, but you can still tell that like, this isn't just something slapped onto a canvas, like right. some, there's something implanted here. And even if I can't detect it, like I can tell that it's still there. And I, um, every time I write a cover letter to submit my poetry, I always put, I hope this makes you feel something strange and familiar which is i guess to say i hope it makes you feel something foreign that is my experience and i hope it makes you feel something familiar that is your experience and i think like in that bridge is where the piece of work transforms from anything that i intended and i hope it does good for for someone in a way that I can't comprehend.
0: I'm stealing that from you, by the <laughs> way. Uh, so shout out to you on that. And that, that's, that's really cool. Cause I, I, I've described, um, I, I recently, um, finished, uh, D Watkins, um, most recent book. And, uh, and I, and I, I consume books. Um, I used to always get like bogged down. by, I'm not a voracious reader, but I am a listener, and I do retain retain things. So audiobooks are my jam. Yeah. And um, he's he's doing the audiobook, so his humor is kind of in there, and hit the tonality, and just it's very um, it's a performance in reading the book. And I was able to do an interview with him, and and all of that good stuff, and you know one of the things that i said said to him because you know we're around the same age and uh both for me is baltimore all of these kind of different things and i think i said something like this was familiar before and kind of in the same way i was like mm-hmm. hmm i i didn't have that same experience bro but uh i can relate
1: <laughs> yeah it's tapping into something
0: yeah um so so let's talk about um You know, aside from techniques that you apply to your your writing practice, um, what, you know, is something that you've learned from an arts education that's been very impactful, but isn't something that has been impactful for you to develop as a creator, but isn't necessarily something that this lesson 101 is this, but something maybe in how to navigate in the art world, maybe how to kind of like seek out opportunities, things of that nature some of those things that we don't teach you this in class, but you're going to learn it from experience. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest lesson is that it's okay to make things that suck <laughs> uh, because like <laughs> it, it gets the gunk off of your good ideas. You can tear down and tear apart and repurpose and restructure. And as long as you put something authentic and, and real into that try then there's going to be something that you can pull from that and instill into something else or like pull and and let that be the spark of a different idea so whatever you make is is not wasted your your body of work is also the culmination of all the like torn up and and crumbled up papers in the trash like keep all that stuff too because you know you can really use it some one of my projects i'm i'm doing now uh, for a new poetry collection is taking my favorite albums and then taking a line from each album and then um that really connects with me and then cutting them all up like physically writing it out and cutting them all up and then rearranging all the words to make something different and i think like that came out of this inspiration of like you can destroy what you made and make it into something else. And it might be better than it was originally. I think we like as artists get really like attached to like one version of something, but you got to be, you can keep that draft, but be willing to like tear it apart too. Might find something better.
0: So I got three things to say about that, uh, which I I love it, by the way. I love that idea. Um, And yes, like the, I, I was approached by, I was, I was approached uh, and repurposing my content and we like, yeah, can we, you know, take some of the episodes and maybe take, you know, a piece here from this photographer and a piece here from this photographer and kind of bring it together as like a, these, all, all these, these um, photographers are all answering the same question. And I was like, no, it's my content. Don't touch that. Um, and yeah, I, I like being able to – like I like the way you described that, being able to maybe take something immediately – this is going to sound so corny, but I started thinking of uh, bands that have songs with really long titles. And I was like, you know going to use a, like a Fall Out Boy song or something oh. here. <laughs> Just, like, there, it's like there's a lot of words in those titles. <laughs> there's and, but yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, but it made me think of this. Um, so within your your writing process, are you – starting off in an analog sort of way? Are you going digital as far as I need to write this on a computer first? Or do you have like a sketch or a notepad or something that you're using um, initially in that kind of initial like draft? Like where do you start off from like writing down the ideas from brain to wherever? Where is it? Where does it start off at?
1: Yeah. um, My poems always start as stream of consciousness in my notes app. So whenever I like just think of something, I'm like, I have to write this down now or I'll forget it. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I can get into kind of like a flow with that and keep going. And then I'll like save it on my phone, which I kind of like because then if I'm like trying to Frankenstein a poem, I can like search through, Um, I kind of like that feature, but I really like handwriting and I really like this, um, new process that I described for for the new poetry collection because it lets me be so tactile with it yeah. um and I think like physically moving things and and rearranging things just really makes me feel kind of closer to the project because i'm I'm like myself integrated into that process, but i I would say a lot of the times it moves from my phone to a piece of paper and then on to um onto a word document. Cause a lot of times I, I have to, you know, format it to submit it. And then I try to make it look as close to the page as possible. Sometimes that sometimes it changes a little bit, but yeah, yeah a lot of it just starts a stream of, con- stream of consciousness that I just have to like go through and, and write and rewrite and rewrite until it's something worthwhile.
0: <laughs> I try to, Because I started looking at some of the questions, like when I go through the questions that I have, um, you know, I try to have like a large table of like, all right, Mm -hmm. what kind of questions am I looking for? And I'm usually, if I'm not like doing interviews, I'll spend some time during a week of like, let's look at other interviews. How can I repurpose this? How can I retool this? What can I take from this to kind of get to a question? Cause you don't want to ask someone. So tell me your process. Why you do art? It's like, can you (laughs) say that better? Um, and sometimes it's tweaking, but it's, it's getting an influence and so on. And, And then being able to develop a voice out of that of how I want to go about things. But at times, I kind of look at the questions and it's like, all right, these feel a little stale. Let me go back through and just stream a consciousness. Like, okay, I know about this person's stuff and they always come with some degree of curiosity. But you know, there are certain like things, it's like, this is my jam. Like if I'm talking to a chef, talking to a painter, talking to a photographer, writer, it's like, oh yeah, I got Mm -hmm. questions for you, like just off rip. But if it's like, yeah, I'm a sculptor, I don't know a lot about it. I do review the the form, but I don't know a lot about it. So, you know, I'll you know try to come up with questions that are meaningful and and things of that nature. But I find that if I have like that that table when I go stream of consciousness and I try to insert some of the questions from the table, or if I just pull out a notepad and I'm like walking somewhere and it's just, idea hit me, I got to write it down. And I start looking at, Kind of the quality or how I feel about the questions based on where I where I pulled them from, whether I pulled them out of that table or whether I pulled them from um, uh, that notepad. Because I find when I'm in the table, I'm uh, like a spreadsheet or whatever, I'm editing before mm-hmm. I even finish the question. And I was like, no, nah, I got I to just try to be as draft oriented as possible and don't edit. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think that's so important to give yourself time to just be human on autopilot because that's where most of my poetry ideas come from is like a thought that I have randomly while doing something else that I have to write down. And then I can like take time to nurture that idea, but I, I can't force it. It has to come to me naturally. Yeah. I mean if I really allow myself to like get in the headspace, um really sit down and and make like a comfortable space for myself to write in yeah, I can get some writing done for sure. And I might like it just as much as what's on my notes app, but like for the most part, it's, it's stuff that's come to me. And then I've kind of like let it incubate and, and then start the editing process.
0: So I got one last real question for you and you've been great so far. Well, you've been great period. So shout out to you. (laughs) Uh, So and, and this is literally me lifting from um, Austin Kleon, but I, I think it's a, it makes a lot of sense, um, this, this question. Um, so I, I read that writers sometimes, you know, give an advice, write what you know, but that's not necessarily good. Sometimes it leads to stuff that kind of sucks. And he said, writing what you like is more apt. That's more appropriate for it. if you like it, you're invested in it. And you're going to be like, oh, let me make sure this is good. Mm-hmm. So when I watch movies sometimes and you're like, OK, is this director a fan of the comic book or, mm-hmm. you know, what's, what's their investment to it? Is there a, a formative experience or no? Well, hold on. Let me let me not say that is in in that vein of writing what you know versus writing what you like. What is what is your take on that? Do you lean towards writing what you like? Do you re- lean towards writing what you know or is it some mix of the two?
1: Yeah, I I think you definitely have to write what you like or are at least interested in if you're trying to you know, at all make something that someone else would like to read. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also like, write what you want to know. Um, for my nice. senior thesis, um, I wrote a undersea adventure book, and I had no knowledge at all, really, about marine life or anything I just knew that you know in another life I would probably be a marine biologist or something Um, (laughs) you can't do it all in this life but um, I just knew that I was like so interested in that and that was just a way to allow me to be creative and also like learn so much like really was able to immerse myself into the project well because I loved the research portion of it um i loved looking back through all those like similar um historic undersea adventures legendary sea adventures like just learning about the fish that i would put in like one small clip to make sure it was the right fish like i think if you write what you like and what you want to know then who you are and your experiences are are going to come through it anyway if you are being authentic i have made so many things where i've stepped back from it when it's done or the draft is done and been like oh my god i just wrote myself my best friend and my brother an (laughs) inseparable trio in my life i've just written us again (laughs) this is the i've I've put us in the book again (laughs) (laughs) and they always come through and it's not intentional but it's like those important pieces of you will will come through in your work yeah
0: Thank you. That was a a great answer to that. So again, shout out to you. Uh, So that's kind of the end of the real questions. I want to hit you real quick with, I got a couple rapid fire questions and you know, you've listened to enough podcasts to know Mm -hmm. not to overthink it. Just, you know, now remember one of them is very trolly about West Virginia, Mm -hmm. just so you know. Um, Okay. Uh, This is a softball and it kind of touches on one of the things you just mentioned. If you could be transformed into one marine animal, <laughs> which one would it be?
1: I almost said a mermaid. That's not a real animal. I mean, it, could, it could be <laughs> mythical.
0: I mean, it could be mythical. <laughs> I'll be a kraken.
1: <laughs> uh, I love octopi. I think they're so cool. Um, how they, like, in the aquariums, they have to, like, chain their their cages shut because they just, like, learn how to leave. And they, like, recognize Faces of of the people who take care of them and have like favorite handlers, like they're just amazing like creatures, and I think they're so fun. So probably probably an octopus.
0: I feel like I was watching some sci-fi show a while back where I think octopi took over the world. Oh, so I mean because they're 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 super smart. So yeah, yeah I mean,
1: they could do it.
0: <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, so I, I learned that we make. We, we, we're we able to make work within a time that's permitted sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as as we touched on earlier, you're doing all of the things, all of the um, things you're, you're being, <laughs> bri- you're being British for a year. You're <laughs> so uh, what is your, your, when do you set aside time to write?
1: Um, I feel like the writing forces itself upon me. Um, if an idea, you know, if I get one of those great ideas, it has to go in my phone. It's it's almost like I need to cultivate that now while I still have this emotion or while yeah. I'm still in this headspace, so that it can be authentic. Yeah. Um, I feel like you have to write in the tiny spaces. I feel like right now I'm also in a good spot as a writer to be forced to write <laughs> for my degree. That's <laughs> definitely, um, that definitely helps. Um, a lot of a lot of what I write is is for my masters but I always try to like how can I take this project and and like make it for my own benefit like instead of writing an essay can I do a comic book and they're like oh yeah I guess so and then like ah I just um (laughs) did my own personal project for school very cool (laughs) I
0: I love that I love that (laughs) that's really smooth uh would you rather travel to the past Or the future.
1: Oh. I I feel like the future. And a big part of that. I love like medieval like legends and stuff and like all this very, very cool, very cool. But I have terrible eyesight. So I mean, I feel like if I lived in the past, maybe if I had my context, but I would have to bring a lot of them. I just don't think I would thrive. And that's solution
0: too for them, too. Because it's like, yeah. you can just put water. It's like, oh, me, me, Dame is prepping yeah. in your eyes. It's like, oh, all right. Get yeah. away from me. night it might
1: be a little scary. Maybe I can go to Mars or, or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I mean, hopefully we're past all of this COVID stuff by uh, then. Yeah. yeah,
1: like a little bit farther, like yeah, just, far enough in the future.
0: It's gonna be like 2050. And yeah, I just want 2050.
1: Yeah, something cool has to be happening.
0: Like, I mean, I feel <laughs> I feel like we're past the Beyond Burger Wars. That's not yeah. a thing, but I feel like it should be in like 2030. <laughs> just people fighting like traditional meat over Beyond Meat. Oh my God. It's just classist. Never mind. It's just stupid. I'll, I'll keep going. I'm a sci-fi nerd.
1: I mean, it hopefully has to be better than the endless barrage that's happening now. <laughs>
0: go monkeypox, go monkeypox. i saw
1: that and i was like please a break please
0: <laughs> i said like, yo can we can we call it something better because yeah. like, nobody's taking it serious like yo they're murder bubbles call it that then
1: that, yes you take it serious that is like state state of emergency i'm very concerned about that from the second i i heard it
0: <laughs> yes uh is art Regardless of, and it's funny asking a writer this, regardless of what it is from an English standpoint, is art a noun or verb?
1: I have to think about that one. Um, I think it can be a bit of of both because I feel like there is no humanity or human experience without art. Like even, everything is a creative wonder and a bit of inquisitiveness that that led to something I mean art is what got us through the pandemic you know (laughs) I I don't think it's ever been proven more necessary than in in that time that's what we had to to lean on but I think there's art is also a thing you know I've created an art um, that I arted
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious okay that's that's the right answer um now it's time to bring it home and be very trolly
1: let's do it
0: so in baltimore at Oriole park in the seventh inning there's a song that's played by the same person that does this song that has these lyrics and if you can finish these lyrics i'll be very happy so it's a john denver song and it's uh country roads take me home Yeah, yeah, the rest of the lyrics
1: to the place i belong west virginia mountain mama
0: yeah. <laughs> yes. <road. laughs> yes. Shout out to you.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's actually very interesting because I did not realize how big of a karaoke song that was. So like everywhere over the world, it just, it's very homey. Yeah. You know, I was just on a family vacation um, in St. Lucia with my family and they had a country night of all things. And that song came on and the whole, <laughs> whole family stood up on our chairs in the <laughs> dining room and, like saying
0: our hearts out yeah I, I i used to work for the um, the orioles and um whenever thank god i'm a country boy would come on like the seventh inning, <laughs> people oh, are <laughs> losing their minds and i'm like there is some bad dancing here and it's on tv can you guys settle down S- settle down
1: yeah <laughs> um,
0: so that's pretty much it for the um for this podcast so i want to thank you for coming on to the podcast and oh, really? i want to invite and encourage you to um you know, pretty much the floor is yours. Uh, tell the fine folks where to check out your work um, and where to maybe uh, chat with you or whatever the thing is. The floor is yours. Anything you want to shout out?
1: Yeah, sure. You can find me on Instagram at poems from another planet and send me a DM there to connect. Um, I also have three poems in a great anthology by uh, Sunday mornings at the river called Depression is What Really Killed the Dinosaurs, a line from one of my poems love dinosaurs don't read too much into the depression part just kind of sounds cool um, but uh yeah you can find that on amazon and there's also a reading of me doing that on youtube which is pretty cool someone said i had bars and i was like i think i made it like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll be checking that out um yeah yeah because yeah, uh it, there, there is. Before I go, because you mentioned the dinosaurs, I, I have to mention this. I went to see um, the last Jurassic World and I had the theater all by myself. It was me and, my, me and my partner. We were watching it. And she was like, yo, the sound in here is crazy. <laughs> and then we see like these sad basement dinosaurs that were kind of the reject dinosaurs. But then they were eating everyone that was down there. And she was like, "Look, I think one of these ugly dinosaurs is down here. It's going to get us." I was like, "It might. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might." So that was my last dinosaur story. <laughs>
1: oh, I I love some dinosaurs. Jurassic Park. That's my that's my whole thing.
0: <laughs> I, I got a review of that. The first one coming out soon. So I'll, I'll make sure you are able to check that out because uh, I do re- movie reviews as well.
1: Yes, please.
0: There you have it, folks. Um, for for Chloe Williams, I'm Rob Lee, saying that there are uh, writers, artists in and around Baltimore. You just gotta look for. Them.